Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Drabblecast. The Drabblecast is a weekly short fiction podcast featuring strange stories by strange authors for strange listeners such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. I thought I would take a minute to promote a podcast that really inspired me to start this one and really got me into the idea of podcasting in the first place. It's called Escape Pod. If you haven't heard of it, Escape Pod is a weekly sci-fi fantasy podcast featuring some of the best short stories I've ever heard. Their narrations are usually great, and the stories are by authors ranging from celebrities in the genre to lesser-known but still high-quality writers. Seriously, if you dread a weekly commute like me, this podcast will totally make your trip fly by. It's something I look forward to sticking on my iPod every week. They've been going pretty strong for a while now, so if you check them out, you'll have plenty of stories to catch up on already. Check them out and subscribe at escapepod.org. Before we start today's story, I wanted to beseech our trusty Drabblecast listeners to get the word out about this podcast. If you enjoy these quick, fun little stories and you want to share the good times, send your friends the URL, http colon forward slash forward slash web dot mac dot com forward slash Norm Sherman, or tell them to do a search for Drabblecast on iTunes and subscribe. Also, if you know any creative writers out there who might be interested in submitting something, send them our way. And by our, I guess I mean mine. I don't really have a staff or anything. Uh, unless you count my cat, Carl Ruggles, who sometimes tries to ad-lib some meows in the background. You might hear those occasionally. No, but for real, I totally need this stuff. So uh, take a break this evening, sit down with some tea, and put your weird idea cap on, and write me a story, damn it. Okay, on to today's story. The Frog Prince, by Shirley Beeman and Norm Sherman. I hope you enjoy. Dang it, Carl. The Frog Prince, by Shirley Beeman and Norm Sherman. Uh, I think we should see other people. Nikki stared at the glass of water on the table. Hot blood rushed to her head and she felt her spine tingle. She couldn't tell if she was about to burst into tears or pass out. She'd been dating Alex for three months, and this piece of crap didn't even have the balls to do this in person. Nikki, things are just moving fast for me. Listen, I think you're great, but the truth is I'm just not ready for commitment. It really isn't you, it's me. He was right about that, but it didn't matter now. Things would soon unfold the way they always did. She had no control of it. Paralysis over most of her body. Then, the flashback. And then she'd pass out, right before it happened. The tingle in her spine spread until she collapsed onto the bed, barely able to hold the phone to her ear. It was one of those legendary hot days in southern Georgia, the kind you read about in travel magazines that tell you that the sweet tea, golf courses, and local hospitality still make it worth a visit. 
Nikki's neighbors were throwing a pool party and had decorated the backyard in festive colors. The smells of chlorine and sunscreen mixed and filled the air with rumors of some oily and commercialized paradise. The children's parents talked to each other between sips of fruity, fermented drinks and occasionally ventured to the pool to cool their legs. Fledgling swimmers were restricted to the shallow end, creating a dense congregation of floaties, bloated plastic dinosaurs and animals that could only coexist here in this watery realm. Nikki was six years old, and she was a swimmer. That entitled her to a certain amount of respect and popularity. She commanded the attention of several of her peers each time she sprinted to the diving board and demonstrated another world-class cannonball dive. She was at the diving board when a toad hopped across her path. Nikki bent down to pick it up. Some of the parents stopped talking when they noticed Nikki, who stood out as the only child not in constant motion. "'What do you have there, sweetheart?' her mother called from her chair. "'It's a toad,' Nikki replied, her eyes not leaving the bumpy creature in her grasp. "'You ought to kiss the frog!' Joey Harrington goaded from the middle of the pool. This caused a resounding chuckle from the children in the now-expanding audience. Lacey Peters called out, "'It'll turn into a prince if you kiss it, Nikki!' Some of the adults chuckled at the sincerity in Lacey's voice. "'Honey, let the little thing go,' called out Nikki's mom. "'Kiss the toad! Kiss it first! cried out the children. The splashing ceased in the pool as the children fought for position of the best view. Nikki grew anxious. She'd heard the fairy tale before. Was it true? Was that all she would have to do to create a prince who would fall in love with her? Wouldn't that then make her a princess by default? He didn't look too promising with his bumpy body and yellow eyes. Appearances could be deceiving, though, she'd been taught. This very well could have been a nice boy at one time that had been tricked and turned into this thing before her. Nikki wanted to believe that. She wanted a prince. She wanted a fairy tale. She closed her eyes and kissed the toad with all of the promise in her young little heart. The amphibian urinated on her chin. She opened her eyes slowly to see what was before her, yellow eyes, bumpy skin, laughing children. This is where the memory gets fuzzy. She remembered hating the toad, hating its deception. She remembered sobbing and wiping tears and toad piss from her face. She remembered tossing the small animal into the pool at her hysterical friends to make them stop laughing at her. She remembered the sudden rush of blood to her head, the feelings of such anger, humiliation, and heartache pouring out all over her body from some invisible faucet. She remembered losing control of her legs and falling into the grass, everything going dark. When she awoke, she was in a hospital bed, and her mother was by her side, crying. Thank God you're all right, honey, she kept saying. Nikki learned later that the instant she had passed out, lightning had struck the pool. Three of the neighborhood children were in critical condition, and Joey Harrington was dead. Meteorologists were baffled. There wasn't a cloud in the sky that day. Nikki had not made the connection that she herself had caused that lightning until the second time it happened, in 11th grade. She had just lost her virginity to Richard Jansen, a senior who was quarterback of the football team. He said that he loved her, 
but wouldn't talk to her the next day at school after they did it. He had told his friends about it. Now people were saying she was a slut. Her legs locked in biology class, and lightning hit the library where Rich was pretending to study. The bolt exploded into the roof of the building. The fire department was only able to save half of it. Rich was knocked unconscious by a smoldering support beam fired downward by the direct impact of the lightning. The teacher who drug Rich out said all of his hair was rising up with static electricity. His friends were laughing at him. Right before the bolt hit. Nikki first thought she had a mutant power, like one of the X-Men. She tried summoning lightning on the criminal she read about in the newspapers, who had gotten away. She even tried to blast Osama bin Laden after 9-11. It never worked, though. She could never call up that specific hurt, those feelings of betrayal, that flashback to the pool. Only clever toads masquerading as men could bring the fire from the sky. She couldn't control it. She didn't understand it, but she didn't feel bad about it either. After all, if they weren't princes, they were just toads, weren't they? Nikki, are you there? Alex's voice, impatient, as always. One day, she would find her prince. Alex, are you outside? She wheezed, the phone shaking in her clenched fist. Yeah, you know I don't get reception in my apartment. Why do you ask? Nikki didn't respond. She had passed out. Alex wouldn't have heard her anyways. Well, that was our story. I hope you enjoyed it. I've always liked the idea of latent mutant powers. I guess because on some level it still gives me hope that I have some sweet power and I just haven't encountered the right catalyst to trigger it yet. I hope to be in my mid-thirties one day watching Saved by the Bell reruns with my cat when all of a sudden Zach Morris saying the words, Screech! Stop smelling that fern! makes my skin instantly heat up to the temperature of molten lava, giving me the power to melt my way through pretty much anything. Well, I'm your host, Norm Sherman. Remember to send in your comments and stories to goatkeeper at hotmail.com. Join the Drabblecast Facebook group and talk about our stories or giant sea creature lore by going to facebook.com and doing a search for Drabblecast. Check out normsherman.com for some sweet tunes and tune in next week for episode 7 of the Drabblecast. Until then, try to remember, guys, commitment may be scary, but not as scary as dormant, element-controlling mutant powers. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. 
As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.